Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Public Affairs in Practice podcast. Uh, this time, I'm delighted to be joined by Philip Salt, who's the founder of the Entrepreneurs at Network, which is a think tank for Britain's most ambitious uh, entrepreneurs, which I'm uh, extremely pleased to be an advisor to as well. So we'll just mention that right at the start. Um, but Philip, thanks for coming along. And do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and tell us a little bit about the, the network and, and how it works? That'd be fantastic. Yeah, sure. And uh, great to, to be invited on. Um, so, yeah, my name is Philip Salter. I'm founder of the Entrepreneurs Network. So we're a think tank, um, which means we try to influence government, government policy around, in, in our case, entrepreneurship. So that involves producing research papers, having conversations with politicians and special advisors and civil servants, um, putting on events and just generally trying to convince them of the things that we think are, are good for the country and for entrepreneurship. Brilliant. Thank you. So what, what, what's your part? So it's slightly unusual. Not many of us get to, well, many of us, I don't at all, but not many people get to run uh, think tanks. So what, what was your path into sort of politics in that sense? And, and was it always something you wanted to do or is this, did it just come out of a bolt out of the blue? Um, it's quite serendipitous. So the first thing, so the kind of my background of interest, I guess, is in political thought and political philosophy because I studied history, kind of international relations. So I was always interested in kind of ideas, but I didn't realise that you could do that for a job. So kind of fell into it really randomly. So I went to an interview after I finished university. It was one of these group interviews for a consultancy and I was absolutely dreadful at it because you had to kind of compete with your fellow graduates to give advice on how a company should be run better. And I had absolutely no experience or training or background in any of that. But after the meeting, um, we went to a pub where everyone was advised to a pub who'd interviewed. Um, and just by chance, I was talking to one of the people who interviewed me. Um, and she said that her friend was coming to the pub later on and worked in a think tank. And that guy was Tom Clockety and he was at the Adam Smith Institute at the time. And we just literally met in a pub, hit it off, and there was a job at, 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 the, at the time um, that they were looking for someone. And yeah, and that was it, really. I mean, I had an interest in policy and interest in ideas, but I wouldn't say I was a kind of hardcore kind of politics or, or even kind of policy junkie, but really it kind of uh, struck me as something fun and exciting to do and kind of got into it that way. So I worked in 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 the uh, in uh, Smith Institute and, and did that for a while um, and left that, um, worked as a journalist. I was at City AM for a bit. Then as part of that, I'd meet quite a lot of people in the city and felt like maybe I'm missing out on something when I'm going into these kind of big, shiny offices thinking, uh, you know, maybe they have, have, have it good. So maybe I should kind of take a step back from kind of these small companies and work for a large company. So I worked for a big insurance broker kind of heading up their, their research and realized, I think on my first day that that wasn't for me, <laughs> that I wasn't set like due to being a big company, that the meetings and the politics of, or the kind of office politics of that life was definitely went against everything that um, suited me. Um, and then, so started the Entrepreneurs Network, um, which kind of out, brought together my interest in entrepreneurship, which was the policy area over the years I've become increasingly interested in and um, kind of think tanks, I guess. So because a lot of us in public affairs will often work alongside think tanks on events or bits, pieces of research, but I don't think we all necessarily understand how a think tank sort of works, what it does. So the challenges that you face 
day in day out as as uh, you know as the founder and the leader of a, of a and, and the champion as well of, of a think tank can you talk a little bit more about those sorts of challenges as well Philip? yeah i mean i agree i think it's one of those things that's not really well understood as to what think tanks are and kind of how they came about because not every country has think tanks in the way that i guess the uk and probably you could say the us is a similar model and stuff and other um english-speaking countries um so in the in the UK, at least, um, think tanks are pretty kind of independent, uh, not necessarily independent of everything because they might be politically aligned or they might be aligned in as much as they have kind of funders who have particular views or constituents that have particular views. Um, but they aren't, at least in the UK, often directly funded by the government, whereas in other, other countries they, they, they might well be. Um, some do take government funding, um, some don't. We don't take government funding and we're also not um, politically aligned. But I think it's fair to say that over the years, they've had a huge impact on the UK and the world. Um, if you think of the Fabians, they kind of are the architects in many ways of the welfare state that we saw kind of post-war. If you think of organisations like CPS or the IEA or the ASI, they were kind of heavily involved in was kind of the Thatcher revolution and privatisations. And even today you have kind of think tanks like Onward or maybe the Tony Blair Institute that kind of are, are aligned and are influential in kind of what's going on right now. Um, so, so yeah, it's kind of a strange thing to get into, but their influence over public life uh, is kind of greater than many people realise. Um, I think I really like a quote by F.A. Hayek, who was a kind of, I guess, kind of think, thinker on, on the right, um, who said that he calls kind of intellectuals kind of professional secondhand dealers and ideas. And I think that's kind of the way that I think about it. You know, there's these ideas kind of sitting out there and you as kind of someone working in a think tank have the ability to to kind of champion them. Sometimes you come up with your own ideas, although I think it's fair to say that that's difficult to do. And, you know, we've come up with a few few ideas, but sometimes it's actually about taking other ideas off the shelf and trying to apply it to, to in our case, entrepreneurship and apply it to, to politics. I think you're right. I mean, and certainly for a lot of, you know, politicians, they need that sort of constant stream of, of of new ideas of thoughts i mean look and it's entirely up to them whether they pick them up and include them in the manifestos or whether they just you know put them on the shelf and ignore them and, and you know say that's very interesting and then move on to the next thing but without that that constant stream they can't show that they're shifting society economy whatever their priority you know health service or whatever their priorities happen happen to be at the time and i think you're right you know you can point to particularly certain times in history and i remember so around the sort of 97 era as well, there were certain think tanks, the IPPR and others, and there were policies there that were lifted directly from, you know, their work and then put into that Labour manifesto as the way to show that, you know, for the new Labour, the new Britain was coming to pass and, and they were the generation of, of policies. Um, so, they, they, you know, they do impact and they do, they do, uh, they do listen. Uh, to yeah. the sorts of ideas that you, that you that you do. So how how do you how do you push some of those ideas as well? Because again, so I suppose that it is one of the challenges for you looking for those opportunities, but also looking for businesses to work with to try and you know push to ideas to government and to the opposition parties. Yeah, I mean, kind of building on, on what you just said. Some sometimes there's a really real symbiotic relationship between a think tank and kind of politicians. So if you think of something like policy exchange, where a lot of MPs came through policy exchange, people like Michael Gove and others. And in a sense, 
that think tank becomes almost a part of the political party and it's very obviously aligned um, in, in that instance. So for think tanks like that, I think it's much more kind of testing out ideas. Sometimes they're pushing the government a bit, but, some, but they're often working with the government and with what they're trying to achieve. Sometimes they're outliers, so they'll push an idea. And then if it's incredibly unpopular, then then the politicians won't pick it up. And actually the politicians um, like think tanks to do that sometimes to, 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 to offer cover. So, so sometimes the relationship's very close. Um, for us, it's not so much. So there's a challenge there in getting our ideas. So sometimes it's about also convincing other business organizations or other think tanks that our ideas are worth, you know, the Labour Party or the Conservatives or any party that's interested in picking in picking them up. So it's not just a direct route straight through to, to the special advisor or to the or to the minister. Um, the way that we are funded is by kind of partners partnerships with businesses. So I'd say maybe half of our work is funded in that way. And there we have to find an area of policy that we think is important and that we care about, um, but also one where there's a kind of corporate that's also interested and cares about. So that's a challenge. That's obviously um, that uh, that way of funding things has its own challenges, as does every other way. Um, but then the other half of things are things we just think are really important. So um, we then, with our remaining time that we have, kind of put out very kind of much less well-designed reports and, and um, but in a way that they're, they're things that we really want to do. So one affords us the ability to do the other. Sometimes it comes together. So we've got a report that we're scoping out, which is an international report looking at the ideal visa system um, internationally. And that's one where it's very much something that we've wanted to do for a long time. It's one where we found um, an organisation that's keen to back it as well. In that case, the Association of Business Executives and that's that's kind of the perfect combination of things um but yeah that's one of the one of the challenges of, of doing this job and do you think you've i mean because again some think tanks have a particular as you explained sort of bent in terms of left or right or connections with a particular party um but other than that they can be fairly general in their approach they'll deal with a number of different issues that are you know vaguely interesting to that political party whereas for the entrepreneurs network obviously you've got quite a i was gonna say a niche it could be broader than that so i don't i don't mean it sort of very specifically but you've got a particular sort of place in the think tank market if i can call it that um, is that something that you recognize or do you see others trying to invade your territory as well is it sort of again yeah quite a competitive space in that sense um it's quite competitive because i think other think tanks have moved into the space that we're in, which I guess is, is entrepreneurship, it's a kind of mega trend, as as some people might call it, people wanting to start businesses, and I guess just the fashion as well of people looking up to to people who have built businesses. Whereas always, it wasn't always the case. If you speak to any entrepreneur that was building their business, um, you know, decades ago, they were kind of considered to be it's kind of the Del Boy image. It was you know these people were you know, on the edge of legality that it was considered a lot of the stuff that they were doing. And it was just wasn't respected in the same way that it's respected now. And that so in that respect, it's become fashionable, it's become popular, a lot of think tanks are getting into the space. But I think it's, I think being focused on this means that it's, it's no, it's, it's unless there's a think tank that decides to do exactly what we do, which there hasn't been yet because even think tanks that are similar state or business groups that are similar they just take a different line and a different approach 
Um, yeah, so we're, we're lucky to have kind of carved out our niche. And I, I think there's a certain amount of um, kind of first mover advantage in having done that because it's hard to then, it's not that big a market, basically. I mean, there's not that much money out there to, to do, the, do what we do. So ultimately, um, yeah, you'd have to find someone with the passion, I guess, that, that I have and the people that work with me have. Um, and that's actually difficult to, to find sometimes because people sometimes prefer making lots of money to working in a think tank, which is, uh, which is understandable, but that's, uh, that's the reality. I, I can no, I can understand, I can understand the, the, the yeah the challenges involved, but I, no, I, I think you know being sort of the original and the best in in that sense does absolutely you know stand you in good stead. And, and you know if I can say so, I think you know the work that you know you've done and, and the the network has done has helped to shift perceptions over the time. Um, you know un, undoubtedly it is it just is taken more seriously. You know nowadays not not least by I think business groups as well. Business groups also recognise the role of entrepreneurs in this, whereas before they were slightly stuck in there. You know this is what a business looks like. Whereas I think you you know the work over the years you've been able to shift perceptions. Uh, no, thank you. No, I think that's what we try to do. We do want to. So we work, for example, with. Enterprise Nation, which focuses on kind of small businesses. Um, we've worked with the Tony Blair Institute. We're working with other business groups. We've worked with Startup Coalition, which used to be Codec. So I think in partnership, we're able to do um, a lot more. And I think, um, yeah, Eamon Butler, who um, was one of the founders of the Adam Smith Institute, said it's amazing what you can achieve if you don't, if you're happy not to take credit for, for, for the idea. And I think that's kind of true. If you're very you know, no one really owns these ideas. There's no IP on them. So it's it's great when other organizations pick up your ideas and claim credit for them or whatever, that's fine. And we would we would do the same thing, I think, if we put out a paper and others had had had, had done so before. I think it's just um yeah, I think it's it's good. We just want to see good ideas. I mean, that's ultimately why we do what we do. We want to, we think we think the end point is making people kind of healthier, kind of wealthier just happier in general. And we believe that entrepreneurship is a is a route to that, not necessarily just for the entrepreneurs, but for consumers as well who benefit from, from kind of entrepreneurial endeavors and kind of innovation. So that's the starting point. And then from working back from that is what we want. We see entrepreneurship as one, but an important route to, to making the world more, more like we want it to, to be like. Um, there are other things that are really important as well. Um, but this is where this is what we've kind of decided to focus on. Um, but it isn't that be all and end all of all policy and politics. I think there's lots of other things that need fixing as well. But it's just that's not that's not our job to do. The list is uh, seemingly never endless of uh, you know changes and reforms that that can happen. Just, is there anyone that or any organisation or anyone in particular that sort of influenced the way that you've led the Entrepreneurs Network? Uh, that's influenced the work you do. Um, over the years, it may have changed, of course, so it may, may change over the time. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some kind of US think tanks. The Kaufman Foundation was something that I was kind of very well aware of before starting the Entrepreneurs Network. And it's kind of moved away from where it was when I started it, started the Entrepreneurs Network about a decade ago. But at the time, it was doing a lot of really good kind of practical academic work, um, looking at the role of innovation and how what the impact it could have on you know on society in general i think they've they're kind of they're less international now they're less policy focused and they're more focused on programs which is which is fine but it's it's not what you know, what it originally was 
Nesta as well in the past, it's kind of moved away from that as well, but Nesta used to be kind of have a, do a lot more work in the space and be doing the sort of work that we we try to do as as well, um, but perhaps with slightly less um, with slightly less focus on policy and trying to change things, but more kind of blue sky thinking. But they were really good when kind of Steve Westlake and others were were involved. I thought they were they were great. Um, on a kind of just a personal level, um, Emma Jones from Enterprise Nation, someone who like over the years of doing this has been quite um, inspirational. Just being able to kind of sit and talk to her about building an organisation like this i mean they're a lot bigger than us and 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 a, and a different slightly different model not a think tank more kind of a business group and a support group and a pro program so they, they do incredible things um but yeah just having someone who's kind of built something slightly similar and just being able to sit down and be like you know does it get easier like how does how you know how do things change and yeah so that that's been useful to have that sort of men i guess mentorship which is which i think everyone needs when they're doing when they're trying to build something I think that's right. As it's always, it's always nice to have somebody just to talk to about what you're doing and 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 a, and a double check sometimes, especially when you're in the position where you are, where you are that you know the head and and the public face and everything. You know, I imagine it'd be fairly lonely. So having some of those people to bounce ideas off of, just to make sure you're not doing anything, you know, fundamentally wrong or fantastically brilliant or whatever it might be, uh, must be hugely useful. Yeah, and we have lots of entrepreneurs as well. So sometimes we get the chance to talk to the entrepreneurs themselves we have them as as advisors alongside yourself and um that's super useful just to be able to talk to them about how they built the companies that they've built and you know not all the lessons are applicable because we we don't have that ambition i guess to scale and which 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 they have i mean we do want to scale but it's, it's kind of a much slower process it's a different type of thing but just being around people who are trying to build something from scratch is super, super useful and, and inspirational as well, actually. That's one thing that got me into entrepreneurship itself as a topic because, you know, just the will to do stuff is something that I kind of admire in, in entrepreneurs. I mean, even those that fail or, or whatever, it's just incredible to see people who just, you know, don't put up with things as they are and they see something in the world and they want to kind of change it and make it better. And that's something that I, yeah, kind of quality that I admire. Um, and are there any particular sort of pieces of work, reports, campaigns that you've been involved in that you're particularly proud of over the years? You've been doing this quite, I mean, if I may say so, you know, quite a long time now. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So yeah. Any particular ones that you're really proud of? Yeah, I mean, I think the one that I'm most proud of is a report we did where we looked at the fastest growing companies um, by valuation and then worked out kind of what percentage of them had a foreign born founder. And it turned out to be about half. And it's a, it's a number that I wasn't sure what that number would be going into it. Um, and I do think a lot, it took a lot of people by surprise. It got kind of page two of the FT and has since been kind of a big part of what of current Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's kind of, um, I guess, policy, policy pitch on that side. Obviously, there's a lot to, to question on the other side of immigration um, that, they're, that they're currently under, um, doing. But I think on the high-skilled side of things, they've done incredibly well, actually, kind of post-Brexit. And it's, it's a lot of that is down to a kind of shift in perception around, around high-skilled immigration. Um, and I think some of that can be laid on some of the work that we've done over the years, making the case for it. And I think 
those companies, we called it job creators because those companies have employed, you know, thousands and thousands of people. They're, um, they're growing at rapid rates. They're, they're real, they're kind of, um, brands that you, that a lot of people are engaging with and, and, you know, half of them have a, have a foreign born founder. So that it's very obvious that we can't cut off that supply of, of, of kind of wealth creation, I guess, to the UK. And I think that's why it's been quoted a lot by the prime minister and by others. And I think a lot of the policy ideas that we've had have kind of, have kind of found their way through, but not just us. I mean, other people have done similar work. Another thing that we, we did was we're the first to release um, data on the equity funding gap between kind of male and female founders. Um, from that, lots of great work has been done. We were involved in the launch of the Alison Rose review and we kind of pushed out, um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of kind of work in that space. Um, I think, and I think kind of robust work as well. I think it's one of those things where you really need to work out what the, what the real challenges are. And we've kind of taken quite, a strong view on childcare and trying to reform that because you know we're talking we've talked to entrepreneurs we've talked to in the last instance uh, female founders who'd raised over a million and a lot of them still have you know incredible difficulties with childcare and actually just general kind of uh, work that they still need to do around the home just because of the way society is structured so it's interesting so things like that which are which are which are really important but we've done so many reports now it'd be impossible to, to go through all of them. But I think we've, at the margin, we've had a bit of a, positive, hopefully a positive impact on, on UK policy. I think that sounds more than the margin. I think you're under you're underselling yourself slightly for there, if I may say so. I mean, I think, you know, you know to, to have the Prime Minister, you know, uh, you know, and governments, you know, listening to what you're saying, you know, using the stats and being involved in some of those, you know, really important pieces of work that uh, the, the, the government and, and the parties are, uh, pushing out, I think, is a you know, is a testament to to the work that, that you do. So, um, I mean, for anybody that wants to to know more after listening to you today, you know, obviously you are all across LinkedIn and Twitter or anything else. But any any particular recommendations that people should sort of look out for, or how they can track you down? Um, I think signing up to I send out a newsletter every Friday, um, and I think that's probably the best way to keep up with what we're doing. But we also share information on other organizations as well that what they're doing and the idea is it kind of distills what's going on i guess in entrepreneurship so yeah that's probably the best way to 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 keep up with what we're doing and get invited to our events and 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 such and just yeah so so do subscribe to that place brilliant well look thank you very much uh, for your time that's been most appreciated i'm sure everybody listening has, has, has learned a lot about not just the network but the the challenges involved in leading a think tank and think tanks in general as well so yeah, huge appreciation. Thank you very much. Thank you for, for inviting me on. It's been great.